On Sky Sports Radio, time to review the weekend's racing with our stable of experts. He's pretty exciting, this guy. Streeting his rivals. Who impressed? Who didn't? Horses to follow. And have a look at the time. And your calls. Welcome to Punter's Postmortem. Really starting to go through his gears. Just continues to raise the bar. Yeah, good morning and welcome to Punters Postmortem on this Tuesday, of course. It is the 11th of April. Hopefully everyone had a great Easter if it's still continuing and you've taken these next few days off and listening to Sky Sports Radio. G'day to you. If you're back at work today or listening via the podcast in the next couple of days, great to have you on board. Our panel today is Ron Duffersey, Ray Thomas and Glenn Munsey. And what a weekend of racing it was. Obviously the highlight on Saturday there at Royal Ramwick under the beautiful sunshine uh, was... The great race, which was the Queen Elizabeth Stakes. We'll talk about that, the performance of Dubai Honour, obviously uh, William Haggis, and also as well look ahead to this weekend of racing where we've got the all-age stakes and, of course, that $1.5 million up for grabs, and that will be a very, very good field once that comes out. Of course, uh, they will be publish those acceptances tomorrow at 9 o'clock. Uh, we'll get straight to Ron Duffersey and kickstart punters post-mortem this morning. Good morning, Duff. Hopefully you had a great Easter and a... What a fantastic Saturday it was. It was, Dave. It was uh, a terrific day's racing. Track played fair considering circumstances. And uh, it was a great race where we had a, um, a decisive winner and a very good horse in Dubai Honour. And we move on to this week, which I think this injection of prize money into this all-age stakes has really worked looking at what looks to be the makeup of this field is an absolute perler. It certainly will be. Uh, Ray Thomas from News Limited joins us as well this morning on Punters Postmortem. Ray, great uh, Saturday of racing at Royal Randwick. Yeah, good morning, Dave and Ron, and good morning, everyone. It certainly was, Dave. Um, it was just a privilege to be there. And the championships, this is the 10th running of the championships, and they're getting bigger and bigger every year. I think it's really starting to resonate internationally, and William Haggis um, said as much after Drew Bionna's win, and... The fact that he's had so much success, I think it will just open the door for more uh, Europeans in particular, uh, owners and trainers, to look at Sydney in autumn because they've been cleaning up, Dave. They certainly have. You know, Glenn Munsey joins us as well on uh, Sky Sports Radio this morning. Good morning to you, Glenn. And, uh, well, he started favourite like we did think. Was it, um, you know, was it the bad result for the tab, this, uh, this UK horse winning? No, good morning to you, Dave, to Ray, to Ron, to all of this. No, it was a very good result, actually, Dave. Uh, they put their money where their mouth was. They wanted to lay Animo, and uh, they did that. Uh, they stood it for a, a big, big uh, uh, loss there. And uh, I think the surprising aspect was how much they actually did win on Dubai Honor because they were top odds. Uh, Dubai Honor, last one to turn the $2.50 off on the Friday. And they were back there sort of top of the market most of the day. Uh, but they were laying plenty of others in the race, Dave. It was just one of those races where uh, it turned out to be a very, very good result. And the way things are going for the Europeans, will this quarantine centre at Canterbury big enough for them next year? <laughs> <laughs> He's already said that uh, he'll be back again. It's obviously a costly exercise, isn't it, Ray? But uh, and plenty of the articles that we saw uh, with... The, the telly over the course of the last couple of weeks. And I mentioned this to him on radio as well. Surely there has to be, I mean, you need the right horse, but surely there has to be others now back in the UK looking at maybe performances they've had around a horse like Dubai Honor in the past and looking at the type of horse that's required down here to come and attack because it is good money. And then you've got obviously Hong Kong on the backside of it too. Mm. Yeah, good money. It's actually great money. And they can essentially win 
in one race what it would take a year of dominance at Group 1 level in, in England to do, which Dubai Owner managed in the QE, winning $2.9 million. So, look, the prize money is one thing. The fact they're being successful is another. Look, I know you could look at Joseph O'Brien and his two horses in the Sydney Cup. Cleveland and Baron Samiti ran lengths below their best, and... There are probably reasons for that, but by and large, the the, the English, and particularly William Haggis, is identifying the right horse. And to Glenn's point, um, Canterbury was sort of bursting at the seams this this autumn, wasn't it, Dave? So that's not a bad point that Glenn raised. Maybe they're going to have to look at whether they can increase the size of the quarantine centre or, or down the track looking at a, a new venue because um, certainly it was a house full sign-up, which was great to see. And as I said earlier, it's sort of putting Sydney's Autumn Carnival on racing's world map now. Mm. What did you make of the performance of the horse? I know you've, you mentioned this over the last couple of days, Duff, but just for our punters post-mortem audience, uh, it was a lovely ride by Markwind. He had uh, J-Mac well and truly in his sight and uh, just the way this this horse obviously won relish the ground but but also just lengthened uh, in stride, just pins the ears back and away he goes. Yep, uh, no real excuses for anything considering the way the race was run. It was uh, the Jap Firstly, the Japanese didn't go out um, like he had done in the past and try to really, you know, split up the field. And I thought it was advantage McDonald early when he was aggressive and found his spot and went to sleep. And uh, where Tom had to go back one pair back the further than he, he wanted, he, he couldn't get Animo's back early. So it was dead set advantage Animo in the run. He had every possible chance. Uh, but on the point of the turn, um, it might have been Numerian, just wandered out a horse or two and he just got straight underneath him and he he saw a side of the, the mm. blue colours and, and got onto his back with momentum there and then he finished it right off, didn't he? He finished it right off and he proved that he could handle it wet and dry in his two wins here in Australia. And he, he, I'm convinced he's obviously a better horse than what his form had suggested and and I think the state, William said that he, he, there was issues with him when he was gilded and whatever and mental problems with the horse. So he he knew he had a horse that had slipped the radar. He brought him into town and he conquered and he conquered in a big way. Mwanga was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, he's hanging around for another year, I read. So that's great we, we, for our wait for age regs, keep the young guns honest next season. And um, Animo, I, look, I, I don't think he was at his best. You know, it was his first dry track run, uh, wet track run this preparation. And um, although running well, I, I think I'm, we, I'm convinced he's better than that. Uh, Ray, from chatting with William Haggis after the uh, the event, obviously he'll be back. Very interesting to hear Tom Marquin on Saturday night. I uh, had a discussion with him. Um, I know that uh, they... Both Joseph and, and William um, and, and Tom went out uh, to dinner with the ATC afterwards, just a quiet dinner to to sort of, um, you know, um, recap the day. And interesting that uh, Tom suggested that uh, this horse, in his opinion, is a better horse than a day, but then also William saying that I did have one called Bayed, which would have eaten them both alive. Yeah, so yeah. it just goes yeah. to show that uh, if we get the, the real cream of the crop coming down here, we're in we're in for a treat as racing lovers, but probably our trainers and, and owners and jockeys don't want them coming. Yeah. Well, to Ronnie's point, I think some horses can improve in different environments. I think Adabe certainly went to a new level after he came to Sydney the first time. He went back and won the champion stakes at Ascot. So I know he got a wet track that day to suit, but 
that's elite Group 1 level in England. So he went to a new level, so to speak, when he returned to England. And who's to say Dubai Honor can't do the same thing? Because um, stats don't lie. He was dynamic in the, the Ranvet on top of the ground. And then on Saturday, as Ronnie pointed out, they didn't go hard that first half of the Queen Elizabeth, which surprised everybody. Um, it was advantage anime, but Dubai Honor's come home his last 634.52, which was the best of the entire meeting, and that's at the end of 2,000 metres. And he reeled off four successive 200-metre sections in sub-12. So that ability to sustain um, his sprint is elite-level stuff. And he'll go to Hong Kong now and potentially be very hard to beat in a Group 1 up there. Whether we see him at Royal Ascot, as William said, he, he can't run in everything. But long-term, he'll be back here next year. William Haggis will be back here next year. I'm certain uh, Joseph O'Brien wants to come back. I know Godolphin are looking also at the Sydney Autumn Carnival. So uh, great news for Sydney because, um, as I said, our racing now is certainly very much on the world stage. Mm, and be very interesting to see if uh, Mr Yahagi and more Japanese mm. come back uh, next year. Obviously, Unicorn Lion um, running uh, extremely well there. Um, what, do we, uh, what do we do with a couple of the other Beaten Brigade uh, Muns? I'll bring you into the picture here with your... Your Zarex, your Numerians, there's a couple of texts on the text line. What do we think of Montefilia? Well, just a comment there, Glenn, before we move to the next race. Uh, well, it, it, it was always looked upon, Dave, as being a race in two. Um, so what do you say? You know, Dubai Honor wins easily. Animo gets nutted by Moonga for second, who was always sort of, you know, around about probably um, third or fourth pick with Montefilia. Uh, what you do take out of the race is um, the Japanese horse, for the hype that he got here with, probably disappointed. Um, you know, the, the talk was that he was going to, you know, hit the ground drive them into the ground in true Japanese fashion. Well, he didn't do it. Even Damien Lane said, you know, he he, he, he wasn't really the, the horse that um, they thought he was or, or, or you know, what he expected of. Um, Arlen Kerr was interesting comments from Joe Mariri. He didn't think he was all that happy uh, in the ground. Uh, Numerian, probably not up to that sort of grade, but he confirmed uh, the Cascadian form by, by racing well. Zarek, well, he's a different horse, Zarek. They've got to check his brands. Um, I, I don't know. They've, they've swapped him for another horse during a spell. He, he's come back a completely different horse. He, he went very, very well. Gear up, probably not up to it. He's a shocker, fell into the right spot in the run with that one alley. Um, and, and he's continued, you know, the good form that he's shown here. Montefilia, well, Montefilia, you know, runs a very, very solid race all the time. Uh, and El Patroness, probably disappointing. What about uh, we move to the Sydney Cup? And by the way, if you're listening, 13.53.53 is the open line number. If you've got a uh, a question for the panel or a, a comment on the races, our best caller today, we'll get some Racing HQ merchandise. So 13.53.53, ring now. The lines are open. What about these apprentices, Duff? Um, great to see Dylan Gibbons get a Group 1 in the Sydney Cup, the Schweppes Sydney Cup for Explosive Jack. And I know Munns mentioned it last, uh, punters post-mortem, but the Canberra Cup form, it's just come to the uh, come to the top of the tree, hasn't it? It certainly has. And, um, well, it was just a, it's a typical Ma used to set up. They targeted him for one race and they got a result. 
It's uh, she. He was just too, too powerful for them. They worked him out. They run him in the semi-final, put blinkers on him. They thought, nah, that didn't work. We'll take the blinkers off him. He got his two-mile race, and he just had the biggest set of lungs. And um, yeah, he's a, a great, a great, a terrific stayer. And you know, he's won three derbies in the Sydney Cup now. Um, the big, the biggest shock of this race was all the horses in the market failed. You know, the last. Six across the line were King Frankel, High Emotion, Gold Trip, Cleveland, Timor, and Baron Samiti. They've tailed off the whole six of them. So there's obviously they're better than that. And uh, I heard Mark say that he he lost the then the tie-up stalls King Frankel, uh, Cleveland. Obviously, it had to be an issue considering his lead-up run, and and uh, likewise with King Frankel, we just spoke about in High Emotion. So. Uh, some disappointing runners there were all the probably outside the winner who wasn't a shock um, you know when true Mar- marvel he was unbelievable considering circumstances uh, that hurdle run- trial that brought him on ronnie yeah it certainly <laughs> did um and knight's order well he did his thing didn't he he, he didn't throw it away and fought all the way rapaho was great i just don't think he finishes off at two mile he was given a perfect run Ray, some of the stories to come out of this. Obviously, Dylan Gibbons, we've been following um, his journey, as we have with these other apprentices as well. I mean, what we see, Zach Lloyd not um, not getting the, the group one yesterday, but, geez, he was riding in fine form at Warwick Farm. We are in a bit of a golden generation, aren't we? Well, we certainly are. And you just look at the, the Sydney Premiership at the moment, uh, Jay Maxi out in front, we expect with the 80 wins. But then the next three is Zach Lloyd, who rode those four winners yesterday at Warwick Farm. He's on 49. Tyler Schiller's on 48. Dylan Gibbons is on 45. In, in all my time in Sydney racing, Ronnie and Glenn, I can never recall seeing a group of apprentices um, so successful um, in the senior premiership all at once. You often get a, a Malcolm Johnson or a Wayne Harris or a Darren Beedman come along. But we've got three outstanding young riders um congratulations to dylan he, it was his first ride in a 3200 meter race in the sydney cup dave and he got it just right that horse just chimed in mm. from the 400 and was too good and um these three young men are going to be um outstanding jockeys in the sydney riding ranks for many years to come i'll tell you what too um and uh, look obviously we know as we're in the industry but um, here's a group of uh, young men who are making, obviously, very good at what they do, but for future generations out there, or if they're thinking about, you know, getting into becoming a jockey, um, just having a look. Like Tyler, mm. I know he's won some big races, but sitting on prize money for the season so far of $7.2 million. Dylan Gibbons, $6.2 million. Uh, Zach Lloyd on $3.7 million in prize money. Um, I know, obviously, that's not in their own bank account, those sums, but they get a percentage of it, and I know it goes into a trust, etc. But there's a lot of money to be made, isn't there, Duff, uh, as a, a jockey at the moment in Australia? Well, not at the moment, um, but it's, a, it's, a, it, it's a, a pathway in which if you're suitable for it in size and stature, etc., then um, it can be a very good and rewarding sport. Oh, it certainly can. And uh, the main thing now for them is just to keep their level-headed and be wise in things they do. When, you know, it's easy when you're a young man to get some money in your pocket and have a house and a new car and, and all this and then starting to enjoy the good life which you can afford. So that's the, that's the next thing they've got to think about in their head. How long do I want to do this for? And if I want to be good at it, 
um, all all the enjoyment of it will come later because uh, they're they're in a position at the moment to take the bull by the horns and and really go on with the job. So it's it's a funny funny game horse racing. You can be a superstar. I've seen so many superstars come along um, at 18, 19, 20, 21, and two years later you never hear of them again because. Think you know the moment all this gets to them, so it's it's all right being able to ride, and and be very successful. But you've got to stay mentally focused at the same time. Muns, you've seen just on the apprentices, obviously with your old man um, being a jockey. You've seen plenty of good apprentices in your time. Is this the best crop you've seen? Well, Dave, to put it into perspective, and here's a story for you, right? Because I know all the journos and Chris Roots is listening this morning. They always listen to Putters Postmortem to get story ideas <laughs> for the rest of the week. But all three apprentices, um, Zach, uh, Tyler and Dylan, are on track to be the most successful apprentices since Ty Angland won the apprentices title back in 2006-2007. Ty rode 60 winners that year and was I think he was the earliest apprentice uh, to ever outride his allowance. Um, and that's, he rode 60 winners. The closest any apprentice has ever got to that is Tommy Berry in 2009-2010 with 50 winners. Now, these boys currently sit, I think it's 49, 48 and 45 and they've got 16 weeks to go till the end of the season. And that just proves how outstanding the three of them are. Mm. When you consider, you know, as I said, ties there 2006, 2007, the most, and another remarkable stat there in the year 2006 or the season 2006, 2007, Ty beat Josh Parr and Tim Clark. He now manages them. Yeah. And I'd like to thank Aaron for doing all the research for me yesterday <laughs> while Ty was at the races and we were talking to him. Um, but yeah, but. It, it, how how dominant can you be? And yet, when you see the apprentices, oh, like Tyler Schiller last year, 45, Tommy Sherry, 40, Robbie Dolan, 31, down to, you know, Sam Clipperton won it two years in a row and rode 27 winners each year. Here's mm. he, three boys that, uh, apart from Robbie Dolan, who rode 48 and Tommy Berry, 50, two of the three of them have basically ridden more winners than the apprentice, apprentice's title winner in the last... 16 years. Amazing. Don't forget, Glenn, um, Tyler's riding without a claim too, and he's doing yeah, particularly right. well trying to defend his premiership. But um, uh, Zach and Dylan are outstanding. We haven't mentioned Reese. Reese Jones yeah, is Reece doing Jones. good things as well. So we've got four outstanding apprentices. And um, Ronnie, I can't recall having so much talent in our apprenticeship ranks at the one time in in my time in Sydney racing, Ron? No, I can't. I, look, we, like I said, you've said it before, When we've had our Malcolm Johnsons, we've had our Wayne Harrises who've been dominant and, and champion apprentices, Darren Gauchy, um, but have we seen you know three or four of them mm. at the one time? Um, I, I can't recall it. I really can't. I, I can remember a few, but uh, having one or two fighting it out, but not up to four, you know, and just a, a little side stat on that uh, Sydney Cup. There's been four jockeys. I, I, there's a little website, Form Focus. I've got some great stuff on it. Mm. And um, <clears throat> there's there's been four apprentices win the, the Sydney Cup. There's their first group one, and I think it was uh, I think it was Billy Cook and Peter Cook, uh, Johnny Duggan and Brett Preble. And uh, so Dylan 
is the next one to come along and um, if he can make it a Melbourne Cup after a Sydney Cup, it'll be a great feat for him. We've got our first caller and uh, the lines are open 13 53 53. So if you want to get involved with the show, you can. Our best caller today will get some Racing HQ merchandise. Good morning, Mark. Uh, good morning. What's on your mind, mate? Yeah, uh, just inquiring about um, Fangirl. She got scratched again with wet tracks. When, Where do you think she might head to? Um, what, Brisbane or or Spell, maybe? I don't know. Have you heard anything with that one? And promise of success. Um, on a pretty good race, considering. Um, and do you think that might go to Hawkesbury, Scone, etc.? Yeah, look, um, firstly, Fangirl's got a nomination this week in the All-Aged. I don't know whether she'd back up there again, be, especially with uh, showers on Wednesday and Thursday. So she might be a Tats Tiara type of filly or mare, or Chris might pull up stumps for the spring. And she went much better, didn't she? Promises success. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it went much better on Saturday. So, yeah, she she might be one for Brisbane and maybe Hawkesbury and Scone for those mares races as well. Well, if you've got the time, you can look through because uh, we normally, in Ray knows this on uh, New Central on Wednesday night, we'd love a great segue. Uh, and this caller's just proven absolutely, you know, second perfect because we've just opened a number of Brisbane feature races. We have. Uh, the 10,000, the Kingsford Smith, the Queensland Oaks, the Stradbroke, the JJ Atkins, the Queensland Derby and the Doomban Cup. Now, these are pre-noms markets. Uh, those horses there might go uh, onto those races and if you if you want to have something on them and they don't uh, nominate for those races, uh, you'll get your money back. So you've got a little bit of a free kick there for you at the moment. I, they haven't put Fangirl in the 10,000. I noticed that. Um, promising success is not there either. They haven't put a Tats Tiara market up. Uh, Fangirl not in the, the Stratty. Uh, promise of success not in the Stratty either. So uh, they might be just waiting for the uh, the Tats Tiara who uh, won't, I wouldn't think, would go up for another couple of weeks as yet. Okay, fantastic. Thank you very much for your call. Uh, that was uh, Mark. Uh, now, um, text on the text line here about the uh, the Oaks. Uh, this Kiwi, gee, they've been dominant. I mean, we talk about our apprentices. Has this probably been one of the more dominant um, autumns we've had, both here in Sydney and in Melbourne, Duff, in your recent memory from the Kiwi perspective? It just seems like we get to, you know, a mile plus and they're just unbelievable. Yeah, they have been. He's there with the three-year-olds um, on Saturday with Penny Wacker, who they were saying come out of a weak Oaks. I don't know about that. Maybe our three-year-old fillies aren't so strong uh, because she was she just sat three deep with a little bit of cover there and just powered away. Uh, so, yep, they've had a great year. They've they've won three or four with these fillies and mares. Um, I, I reckon if we went back through history, they've had. Um, just as good a time of it in the old days. The Kiwis used to dominate a lot, but you've got to understand they're bringing they're bringing their best here at the at the right time at the, uh, as well. And the proven ones at the Group One level. So she she was hard in the market and, and she was excellent. She was very very dominant. She was. Uh, yeah, Ray, a lovely ride by Damien because. Yeah. He, uh, he could see that uh, that horse wasn't taking him into it and he sort of went, right, well, I'm rolling here and away he went. He backed her staying ability, didn't he? And Sir, uh, So Dazzling made a bit of a dash uh, at Pennywacker halfway down the straight, but then she just outstayed that filly. Um, premise was good running third. Fireburn actually hit the line quite nicely last year's Golden Sip winner to run fourth. 
maybe Ronnie and Glenn for Art's first preparation. It might have just been a touch too soon, but she's a filly um, uh, with a lot of upside for next season. But if you just think of the New Zealanders, um, just think of how often Murray Baker in the last 15 years, he's now retired now, but came across to Sydney and, and won the derby, for instance. And they're, they're three-year-old classic winners. Um, they're, they're plentiful in, in Sydney in the autumn, that's for sure. A lot of them didn't stay in that race. Uh, mm. She was. Abs- I've never seen a horse travelling like Arts on the point of the turn, railing up, railing up, still under a hold, and she just didn't run the 2400 at this stage of her career. And the same with Premise. She cruised up. I thought, hello, yep. she's going to go on with it here, but she might be 2,000 metres as well. And then we're going to factor in the wet track as well. So I think we can assess them, their staying ability when they get back on a drier track. But to the to the naked eye, she was just the... The first and second were the two 2,400-metre horses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to yeah, your that's... point, Ronnie, um, Pavitra, coming round the bend, I was talking to Richard Friedman afterwards. He said, oh, wow, she's bolting here. Yeah. And she's got that massive stride. But as soon as James McDonald asked her to lengthen, she was scrambling in the going. And she was one horse who was um, certainly beaten by the, the heavy track conditions. But that's taking nothing away from the winner, boy. She was too good. Yeah, sure. that's four of four of the last ten out of the Kiwis, although they hadn't won one since 2017 with Bonneville. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Uh, 9.30, we're going to take a quick break. Lines are open, 13.53.53. Give us a call. All roads lead to the Brisbane Truck Show. It's wall-to-wall trucks, trailers and technology at the Brisbane Convention and Exhibition Centre. Australia's largest industry event is live in Queensland, May 18 to 21. Tickets available now at brisbanetruckshow.com.au. Pick your favourite Kia. From the award-winning Kia Sportage to the street-cred delivering Kia Seltos or Kia's most powerful car ever, the all-electric EV6 GT. Book a test drive today to find your chosen one. Find out more at kia.com.au or drop into your nearest Kia dealer. Kia, movement that inspires. On Sky Sports Radio, the traffic report. Keanu Reeves returns to the biggest action blockbuster of the year, John Wick Chapter 4. Don't miss the film everyone's talking about, John Wick Chapter 4, only in cinemas now. Hornsby Breakdown, Pacific Highway, northbound at Galston Road, Rosella Bus Broken Down, Victoria Road, Lane 1, Citybound Pass, Darling Street, Edgecliff, a breakdown, New South Head Road, eastbound at Mona Road, and Cecil Hills, the M7 truck broken down beside Lane 1, southbound near Elizabeth Drive. Goodyear Auto Care are your 4x4 tyre experts. For great 4x4 tyre specials and great value car servicing, call Goodyear Auto Care today on 132343. I'm Ian Wallace. That's traffic on Sky Sports Radio. This is Punter's Postmortem on Sky Sports Radio. It's 9.32. Give us a call on 13.53.53 if you want to get involved with the program. Uh, you've got Ron Doversy, Ray Thomas and Glenn Munsey as your panel today. And uh, a couple of texts about Aft Cabin here. And uh, impressive performance considering the way that race was won uh, or run, I should say, uh, Ronnie. And who knows, could be off to the UK as well, this horse. Oh, so many options for a horse like him. You know, a three-year-old, 12 to 4, 1,400 or... Or 1500, I'd say. So, I look, could be Stradbroke, could be overseas, could be, could be anything. Um, because he was, he, he, he was back in distance. They had to try him at a mile. He, he was competitive, but I don't think he's as lethal as he is at 12 and 1400. And that looks like his sweet spot. 
so they'll they'll sort out a plan for him and, and um, well, whatever direction they go, he'll be very, very competitive in anything at that distance range. Yeah, I saw this, uh, this quote popping up on the socials, um, Ray, about, uh, you know, aft cabin possibly maybe getting on a plane and going to Royal Ascot. Yeah, as Ronnie said, there's so many options with this horse. Um, he could even be put aside for the Everest. Um, mm. I think the thing with half cabin too, Ronnie is, and, and Glenn, he still does a few things wrong in his races, doesn't he? And um, nothing went right for him in the hour of field sprint from the start. And he had to sustain a long sprint and... Uh, it was an outstanding effort to win. He's only had the eight starts for four wins now, and I know James Cummings and James McDonald still haven't given up on this horse, eventually getting um, becoming effective at 1,600 metres, but that'll probably come with, with more race experience, boys. But where he ends up with now, do they roll the dice and gamble and go to Royal Ascot, or do they put him aside and think, we've got a really good live Everest chance here? What is he? Uh, Eight dollar equal favourite, I see in the prenoms for the Stradbroke Glen. Yeah, and he's uh, an eight dollar chance in the the Doomba Ten Thousand as well, uh, Dave. He's, he's, I'm just going to try and find those uh, English races to see whether they put him in the the King Stand or or the Platinum Jubilee because they've got markets up on those races as well. I've I've got Chris from Oatley very busy on the text here this morning. I don't think uh, he's in the Platinum Jubilee market just yet. Yeah, he's telling me potentially even, you know, Goodwood in South Australia. Yeah. Um, yeah. They've gone there before. Yeah. Mm. And they and haven't, I, haven't I, won a Group I, 1 yet, Glenn, have they, with this Colt? So they'd be, no. maybe they're trying to look for a Group 1 before he finishes mm. his three-year-old yeah. season. Uh, yeah. I, I guess I, the, the thing, too, about it, boys, is that we've seen as well with, say, horses like Marzui, etc., Eduardo, going and starting in Brisbane or in Adelaide mm. isn't um, detrimental to an Everest slot. It's probably sometimes that residual fitness can roll through. Well, Marzu last year won yeah. his Group 1 in Brisbane and then ended up running third in the Everest later in the year as a four-year-old, which could be the path they take with Arf Cabin, considering he hasn't landed that Group 1 yet. But, geez, a talent, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I, I, I must admit, the ride that is what got me. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I said to Ronnie during the, all the trouble that he found... The only one that wasn't concerned was James McDonald. Mm. He was that confident, you know, because you you actually look at the way certain riders ride and you've got an opinion in your mind how they think the horse is travelling. Now, he he was never, ever concerned, I didn't think, at any stage, James. Mm. Or he could have pressed the button a little bit earlier. No, and he waited and he waited and he waited. So he must have been very, very confident and known the horse he had underneath him. I tell you, the more uh, duff, um, confident ride from James was Zapateo. He rode that very, very confidently in the last. Yeah, yeah, he just, uh, he was always, he knew he always had him covered. That's why it's all right when you've got a machine under you like yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he was playing games by the last, and uh, she was just beautifully placed there at the, with the conditions of the race and the timing of the preparation. And she's a good mare. She's a very good mare. She just took ownership of that race mm. and. Absolutely bolted away there. Never talk was good. She loves it wet. The blinkers went work for her, and uh, she's she's one to follow from the meeting. Princess Grace, yeah, early in a prep, um, first run to Australia, once a mile. That's a lovely start off race for her, and she's in for a a pretty profitable. Um, whether she he's going to do much with her in the in the autumn, but she's um, going to be a force to be reckoned with. 
Um, just a quick comment. Were you going to touch on Godolphin and Aft Cabin there before we get to our uh, call? Yeah, look, um, just going back to what Ray said, he, with Godolphin's style with three-year-olds, uh, we're talking Everest. I think they'd love to win that group one to uh, put it on the board first, yep. and, and then there'll be talk about an Everest. I, 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 with their Colts, they they like to make stallions of them, and they're all about the pattern and all that, and um, yeah, they'd, they'd probably like to win a group one. And well, they'd love to win a group one with a well-bred colt like him and then open up all the other doors with the Everest and whatever. Now, we were going to get to this horse uh, because there's a, a, a bit of a, well, a couple of New South Wales connections involved. Uh, this White Marlin who raced at Sandon on the weekend and um, he's, a, he's a lovely looking animal um, for Gay Waterhouse and Jordan Childs and Julian's on the line. Good morning, Julian. Good morning, fellas. How are we? Very good, mate. You wanted to talk about White Marlin. Yeah, look, uh, first of all, love listening to the show. Uh, thanks for getting me on. Um, look, I think, uh, I don't know, the, the market hasn't missed this horse in the Melbourne Cup, but um, I kind of feel like the mainstream media and the online Twitter sphere is uh, sort of sleeping on White Marlin a bit. I thought its run was absolutely tremendous on the weekend. Um, and I wanted to get your thoughts as to moving forward, how well we think this horse can go and um, I know there's not a market up for the Mornington Cup, and uh, I think it's going to another race uh, to try Ramston. and get a ticket into the Melbourne Cup. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to get your opinion as to how far you think this horse can go, because personally, I think it can remain unbeaten and uh, head to the Cup and win it if it gets a good enough weight. Well, he's well, the untapped. First, the first reason the market hasn't missed it in the Melbourne Cup is it's qualified. Yep. Oh, brilliant. Fantastic. And the second reason he's up there because we don't know how good he is because he's um, he's never been beaten. Mm. He had his first start overseas at a mile and a half on a synthetic track and won uh, with 63 kilos. Then he was purchased, obviously. He went to Rosehill and won, beat the Derby winner in Manzois. He went straight to Caulfield, won on a heavy track there. Um, and he's got racing style. Then he obviously won the 2800 and then he, he wins the Easter Cup there first up on on um, Saturday. And he's, he's he's a very interesting horse. And that's after he, you know, obviously he's a stay because his trial at the 1,200-metre trial was just a trial mm. leading into it. The thing, the thing about him too, Ronnie and Glenn, is um, that Easter Cup win was just 2,100 metres and it was only the last 200 metres when yeah. his stamina genes kicked in and he started he moving finds, away. Yeah. He, he won that um, race over the Cup Carnival last spring, which qualifies him distance-wise, but I think the plan now is to go to the Andrew Ramsden, win that, and get the so-called golden ticket into the Melbourne Cup. His stablemate Goldman's already there, so mm. um, Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott throw in their derby winner, Major Bill. have got three pretty talented stayers, along with uh, Knight's Order heading towards the, the Melbourne Cup come spring. Yeah, interesting won't. comments from Geordie Childs, who rated White Marlin slightly ahead of Goldman. Mm, yep. Okay, there you go, Julian. So uh, he's $8, what, for a Melbourne Cup uh, White Marlin, but we will see him obviously before then. Peter's on the line as well. Wants to have a uh, chat with us about uh, Fireburn, I believe. G'day, Peter. Yeah, good morning, Dave. How are you? Good, mate. Yeah, good. I could, if the panel, uh, just have a few words on Fireburn's uh, run on Saturday and also where do you think he's going to next? I think that might be it for her, boys. Uh, she went out to the Oaks and she ran well. She tried hard and she was making ground on a tiring premise late, um, but beaten about five lengths. And 
I think by and large, Ronnie and Glenn, she's had a, a good prep. Um, whether she's a, a staying filly or maybe switched back to a mile next season remains to be seen. But that was a, a commendable run in the Oaks. Yeah, class took her a long way late mm. there. Um, yeah, she she just didn't get the wet track early enough in her preparation, um, where she was chasing down the, you know, running in all the big races. So I think she's done a good job without winning, but she got her wet track too late. Thank you very you much like for your opinion, fellas. The tissue, where to next for a tissue? A tissue, what was that, sorry? Where to next, I think, yep. was the question. Um, that was obviously her grand final, so to speak, guys, and um, whether Chris now decides to, to look at Brisbane with her because he's got a mare, it's in form, and Ronnie and Glenn, finally she's jumping cleanly, putting herself into a contest. Twelve months ago she was making a mess of the starts, wasn't she? It was costing her so much, but now she's a much more complete racehorse and she got that Group 1 on Saturday. Yeah, I think Chris said she went back to school. He's got a re-educator there, and um, and it certainly worked with her with her behaviour in the barriers. Uh, she she was ex. She's been pretty good. Thanks for your call, Peter. Appreciate it. Here's a question for you, Munns. Um, Dave, can you ask Munns through the, uh, the the all in and prenoms markets? If you have a double or a multi, right, and say one of the markets is uh, is all in, and one of the markets is prenoms. Um, are the rules the same, or are they different because it's a multi? Or do you get uh, is that second leg refunded? Like, how, how well, would, uh, I'm taking work? it that they're saying if their pre-noms runner doesn't nominate, well, their money's refunded, so your multi becomes one leg less. One leg, yeah, yeah. That leg is basically voided. Um, but if your all-in um, runner is there and doesn't win, uh, even if your pre-noms um, is in or out, it doesn't matter because your all-in has been beaten, so it's gone. And also, too, like we mentioned last week, um, please just double-check. Wherever you are betting, if you're betting at the tab, obviously you know the rules there because of um, the prenoms and brackets, but if you are betting elsewhere, just check what their terms and conditions are because not everyone um, will be betting prenoms. You'll have some that will have some offers, but... Some of those other markets could just be copy and paste and could be all in. And then if you're not nommed, you'll just do your money cold. So just check that. Even if it means ringing up Jenny and having a chat on the old uh, text line, you can. But I would uh, get involved uh, with those. Uh, just, yeah, buyer beware. Uh, I think we've got a, a caller on the line. Wants to talk about uh, Cascadian. Good morning, mate. Mate, how you going? Very good. Is, now, how do I say your name? Is it Kayo or Kayo? Yeah, Kayo. Kayo. How are you, mate? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mate. Hey, uh, with Cascadian, I was on my way to... Um, I'm in Tamworth now. But why was he scratched the other day at the race there? That's what I just wanted to know. He's running Saturday in the all-aged. He's running this Saturday? Yep. Okay, buddy. Cheers, mate. Thanks very much. Have a good day. Thanks, John. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much for that. Um, now, a text on the text line here. I might come to you here, uh, Munns. Just wanting to know um, thoughts on the winner of the first, Tom Tom Kitten there, uh, for Nash and Godolphin. Uh, well, Dave, he, he, he just finished up, I think, the strongest horse at the end end of the mile. He was there just lobbing along. He's a big, gawky, uh, gangly thing. He seemed to bunny hop at about the 150 metre mark. When, I don't know whether Nash gave him a, uh, a dig in with the spurs or whatever, but he, he just wanted to find. And as the race went further, he was more and more comfortable. It'll be interesting to see whether they back him up in the Champagne Stakes this Saturday. 
Yeah, it will be very interesting. Of course, uh, that market is out as we speak. That's an all-in market, isn't it, for the champagne stakes? Yeah, and he's currently were taken yesterday for that. Yep, eight dollars, Tom Kitten. So militarised two fifty. Of course, the winner there of the size, Don Corleone at three fifty. Peer pressure at eight dollars. And we did hear uh, from the team, or we heard from Henry um, Henry Field at. Uh, Inglis, that both those horses would be going that way, Militarise and Don Corleone, and Marrera Militarise, and I think McDonald is on Don Corleone. Well, that's what the uh, that's what it was last week. So if anything does change, we'll obviously have those final fields out uh, tomorrow. Uh, and then what, $8, Tom Kitten, and Felix the Scat there at $11. Make a call, 11 Amour at 15 Have you got that market open on your computer? Oh, right in front of me, Dave. You could have had $4.50 about Militarise in the pre-noms markets. Don Corleone was, uh, as I go to my extensive uh, notes here, Don Corleone was a $5 chance in the pre-noms market. They're now three, uh, two fifty militarised. He went up, I think you'll find he went up two eighty uh, yesterday. First markets posted on the race was uh, $2.80, I think you'll find, when the official noms were taken, and he's, he's into two fifty already. All right, uh, we're on punters post-mortem. It's 9.46. Um, here's a text on the text line. Uh, while Munns is looking at the markets, have you got a market open for the Sangster Stakes? I think we do, don't we, Glenn? Yeah, funnily enough, uh, just uh, customer just had 600 on passive-aggressive and the uh, the Sangster Stakes uh, took the uh, $6 about it. So uh, that market is open. So uh, not only have we got Queensland feature racing open, uh, we have uh, South Australian feature racing open as well. The Sangster into $4.50 now, passive-aggressive. And I'm sure uh, when she won first up, Graham, well, you know, he said, well, the, the main aim before she won first up, he said, was going to be the Sangster. So I can't see any reason why she won't go on. Um, to the Sangster after she ran in the TJ the other day. She's the favourite. She went up $6 equal favourite with Bella Nipotina. She's into four fifty now. Maria, Mia and Zapateo ate a pair. And then you've got Asfura, Marabi, Rock and Horse and September run all at $11. All right. Sean's on the line now. Good morning, Sean. Morning, guys. How are we? Very good. They find the, the uh, two-year-old horse, he's uh, taken by the horse, Godfather. Is that where it's going, going to? It happy with it? It's the uh, Snowden uh, cult by memory, Godfather. It's in the Harren colours, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. He ran at Rose Hill, didn't he? I'm just yeah. calling him up now, yeah. Uh, he ran a good race early in the season, Glenn. Remember up in Brisbane, flashed home late for the Magic Means and uh, didn't quite get there. Um, yeah, I'm not 100% sure where he is. He's out in the paddock. Is he? There you go. Oh, no, actually, it says active. I thought he might have been. I thought he might have went to the paddock, but uh, okay. he trialled on the 21st of March. So uh, he could be the Brisbane horse for the Snowdens, you know, because he's got that ability. He's been up there once before, and he's a work in progress. Does a few things wrong, but he might be their their colt for Brisbane. Mm. Actually, I think Paul Snowden is listening. Um, yep, 29th. He'll race next in Brisbane on the 29th. Guys, just sent me a text. Got there, you go. there we go. Fantastic. Thank you Can't very much. I can't believe the ratings aren't high Thank, for this show, thanks, Dave. Paul. Everybody listens. Thank you very much. <laughs> thanks, Paul. Give him a booklet. <laughs> thanks, Paul. Um, by the way, I've got to give um, Duff a, a mention. This form focus, uh, Duff, you got me onto it a couple of months ago. It's sensational. I encourage everyone out there to... Um, to, to jump on, have a look, and, and register as a member. We've got to pay, mm. but some of the um, the information that they provide, um, I don't know who it is. I don't know what company's it's behind no, it. Mal- Malcolm McLaren, guys. And okay. Is it? Okay. 
Yeah, and I tell you what. Um, I only I see the stuff on Twitter. I don't subscribe. Yeah, I, I subscribe, Ronnie, and I, I know I'm sort of stats mad, but gee, I think the racing industry should get people like yeah. Malcolm McLaren yeah. into a room and get a database where everyone then can access racing's records. It's mm. for this sport does not have a good database in terms that everyone can access like other sports. It's, it, can we get it, everyone to agree on the records? Probably not. With <laughs> probably not. <laughs> no, no. Uh, how many winners did George Moore, uh, Group 1 winners did George Moore ride? Well, in Australia, 104, <laughs> well, according yeah, to yeah. Form Focus, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you go, we, It's just embarrassing. Getting back mm. on that point, there's, there was about 10 or 12 years there. We, I think we just lost all records of replays yep. and everything. Mm. Um they might be in Graham McNeese's boots still, but anyway, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure we, you, we obviously we got a library of it now since mm. Racing New South Wales have archived these. But there is about ten years there we lost some great races that can yeah. never be found. <laughs> yeah, it's a massive job, wouldn't it, guys, to coordinate no, all the records? And look, it's not going to be easy because Australian racing is so much bigger in terms of the size, the industry, to most other. Um, uh, uh, countries, but if it was once it was done, gee, it'd be a massive resource for everyone to access. People like Malcolm McLaren and all their hard work shouldn't go to waste. Now, uh, our good friend Lizzie Jelfs had uh, an amazing uh, performance. Horses involved in uh, Christilly. We speak about uh, horses possibly going north to, to Brisbane. Well, um, she was very impressive, uh, wasn't she? And Joe Marrera again. Um, the balance, I mean. Duff, do you think he is the most balanced jockey in the world? Well, he's up there. You know, his record speaks for itself. And uh, he seems to be enjoying his time in Sydney. Um, see how he's enjoying it in the middle of July and, <laughs> <laughs> when it's hailing. Uh, but anyway, at the moment, he's enjoying his racing. And he's, he's getting very good support. And he's getting the job done. And he's, uh, yeah, and, and on Chris Dilley, she's... She, she yeah. could be, she could be very good, but um, she's still got a bit of furnishing to do too. So it's exciting what she's done in two starts, finishing off like that. And she come out of that very. That looks a real hot race that mm. Wednesday race, race where obviously it, it looks um, a pretty well, pretty good form. Mm. Certainly I don't does. think she had any trouble selling the remaining shares she had in the full <laughs> sister that they bought at the English yeah, Classic yes. sale. That doesn't uh, guarantee they can run. No, <laughs> but a, it's a good start anyway. Yeah. Um, and just on uh, Joe Marrera, and obviously uh, his time he's going to spend here, I know how many weeks would he have to go? He'd probably have three. Another four, I think. Four weeks. Well, yeah. I'm going to start a, uh, not a petition, but um, plant a seed. I know that we've obviously got a couple of big weeks coming up with Scone and, and Wagga. Um, in May. He might not be here for those particular mm. meetings, but I know that there obviously there'd be big dance eligibility involved and usually maybe Chris sometimes sends horses possibly to Wagga. If there is an opportunity to get Joe uh, to any of these meetings, I know that Charlie's looking after his rides. I mean, we saw it with William Pike and uh, crowds mm. and kids and just the appreciation. That could be a really big coup for country racing. Don't know if what? it's possible, but yeah. Where does he go after this six weeks? Where back, does he go? Back to Brazil. Brazil. Initially, yeah, because there's some major races in his home country he wants to ride at. And then there's some talk of him going to England, the Northern Hemisphere, and then potentially coming back. But it's sort of like his world tour at the moment, isn't it, Ronnie? He's going... He's getting a feel of everything. Yeah, mm -hmm. pretty much. Has Zach paid all the uh, customs agents at Hong Kong <laughs> airport not to let him in? <laughs> 
No, he no, says he's, yeah. he's done what he's wanted to do yeah. in Hong Kong. Dave's on the line now. We've got our next caller. Good morning, Dave. I have an opinion on the interstate travellers in the big race in WA, the Quokka. I'm not sure if it's a group race, but I know it's probably Perth's richest ever race. So um, we've got a few going over. What, what do you think, Ronnie? Oh, I think uh, I think they've done a great job. Um, I think they've done a great job. Something to build on. It looks a good race. I'm very interested. Look, obviously, she gets. We get to see how good she is, um, the local filly. But I am thinking that Uncommon James and Asphora are going to run very, very well. I just love their runs in the um, the Galaxy. And, um, yeah, I think they're going to... The, I think the barrier draws in another half an hour, probably no more then, but it's a, it's a good race. It's a good race, and um, they've got off their backside. They're promoted. I think they've got a slot dog race tonight, or it was Friday night, and then the trots and whatever. So they've, they've done it well. Yep. Okay. Um, that track can play a little bit leaderish there. You think it'll suit Uncommon James? Mm, yeah, I think he's adaptable. I'd love to see a draw for him. And there's a chance of rain there this week, would you believe, um, mm. in Perth. The cyclone's uh, coming. Yeah, yeah. but it's, I, I just I looked at actually the forecast before, and it's, I think it's 1 to 10 on Thursday or something. And So I don't know how that copes with the rain, but it's, I think Saturday's okay. And a horse like Overpass, Ronnie, who we know absolutely flies first up fresh it's um, Bjorn Baker's targeted the, the Quokka taking him out of a couple of Sydney races to go first up at Ascot so he's yeah. got the quality to be very very competitive mm. and if you, if you have a look at the mark like Amelia's Jewels a $2.50 chance it's Uncommon James who's who's now gone back to back you know winning a group one and very very solid yeah. in another is $3.80 as Fura and Bella Nipotina are both $7.50 chances. Then you get to Overpass at 17 Special K, he loves Perth. Uh, he's a $21 chance. Then the local Red Can Man, 26 Shades of Rose, 26 Tricks of the Trade, 26 And then you go out to the 40 to 1 chances. But uh, as you would well expect, the top end of the market is very, very strong. Mm. And now... If- They've taken no, that market down. Just, oh, yeah, no, no, there's a, there's, a, there's a final field market there. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, and you've got to go to Ascot Saturday if you're looking oh, gotcha. for it. Yep, yep got it. Glenn, uh, just a text on the text line, uh, there's no Golden Eagle market open. No, I, well, I let think us I get... Actually, I did actually ask yesterday, Glenn, I asked Timmy Ryan, and there'll be one open sometime this week. Okay. Yeah. All right, because she will figure in that market, won't she? Mm-hmm. Um, that's the plan. That that is the plan, isn't it? Long term, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So uh, well, the William be... Haggis said he wouldn't mind coming back here and trying to win the Golden Eagle. Bro. Correct. Yeah. yeah. He, he's, he's got a couple of horses that he's going to hopefully step up because they'll Glenn and Ron. They'll be essentially Northern Hemisphere three year olds when they come down to Sydney back end of our spring to run in the Golden Eagle. So they get that slight weight dispensation, but. If they're good enough, they'll they'll be competitive. Yeah, they'll be they'll be sort of you know uh, what four months off turning four, yeah. Northern Hemisphere time. Whereas our our four year olds have turned four like two months. They're six months him. behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, a uh, couple more texts before we get some horses uh, to follow. Um, just wanting to uh, hear your thoughts on. The winner of the the provincial midway, Spangler. Um, hey guys, uh, Spangler, was it the the winner of the day? Visually, obviously, we know that probably the winner of the day was uh, the winner of the QE. But I think this was the ride of the day, considering yeah. where he started from, Duff, and where he had this horse. Yeah, look, it was one of them 
you know, McDonald on a twelve dollar chance, he says, Oh well there's no pressure on me here, I'll I'll try for something freakish and it happened. Mm-hmm. It happened for him. And with all the trying to sort out how flattering it was is the hard bit because he just went straight up there with no no hesitation and never got hampered once and just kept the rhythm going right to the line and was it was uh, outstanding to the eye, but more outstanding was the ride. But considering across the Rubicon missed the start five lengths and got into his slipstream and run third, I don't know what to think there. So I there's a couple of good runs in the race. S1 never got out, or S only never got out, and Kyobi travelled like the winner on the turn, and maybe he just didn't let down on the wet track. So, uh, But the winner was outstanding. Um, just a question for Ray. Got a caller, Glenn from Padstow. Uh, Ray, how are you? <laughs> Here we go. Um, mate, what's what's happening with Warwick Farm? Uh, I know we've got a meeting coming up there on uh, Wednesday week, but uh, the track redevelopments of yes. Warwick Farm. Yeah, there's some renovations coming up. And this shortly, is not a Dorothy it? Dixer. I, I've just yeah. plucked this out of the out of the sky. This question. Yeah, so there'll, there'll be some. Um, some long overdue works done out there at Warwick Farm, Glen. I, I think it still looks pretty much the same, apart from the English complex at the top of the straight since Kingston Town Race. So it's long overdue, and also be some some work on the tracks as well. Yeah, because I notice there's a lot of Kensington meetings. Yeah. Canterbury mm-hmm. comes back online uh, in a couple of weeks. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. I think it might even be the uh, the third of May. I think it might be the the first uh, week. Uh, yeah, the third of May is the first week back at Canterbury. Uh, so they might it might take a, take the load back mm. of Warwick Farm and let them do the work the there. Late autumn, winter, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Beautiful. Our winning caller today is Dave, who had that call there with Coolangatta and the Quokka. So, Dave, give us a call back, 1350-353, to collect your merchandise. Uh, we need some horses to follow. Gentlemen, what are we following out of this meeting uh, from Saturday, Duff? Yeah, look, it's grand final day. You probably look for the horses that were early in their prep that are going to train on. And this, I think the two, the two Chris Waller first up, uppers speak for themselves. Uh, Kovalika heading towards the Queensland Derby, and and that mare in the last, um, which was uh, Princess, Princess Grace. Grace yeah. yeah, they're the two for me. All right, uh, Ray. Yeah, uh, probably down the same track with Ronnie, but as a point of difference, I thought Promise's success showed that she's working her way back into form. Now that was a the best run so far this autumn and look I haven't spoken to John O'Shea I'm not sure exactly where she's going but you would think Hawkesbury and all the dark jewel at Scone would be ideal for on the way to Brisbane so promise a success Glenn and Dave you know I like to be weird you get just as much money out of winning in a midweek as you do on a Saturday in a group race uh, one yesterday at Warwick Farm by the name of Left Field mm. uh, and I was told yesterday will be trained in future by Brad Widdop uh, was trained by Mark Newnham, and it's going to Brad. It comes out of the Kamochi race, and it ran an absolute corker there yesterday at Warwick Farm. Follow it. One, uh, and with Brisbane coming up, I spoke to Ray about this last Wednesday night on News Central. Go back at last Wednesday's Ipswich meeting and have a look at a horse by the name of Ring of Steel, mm. trained by Kelly Sweeter, one of the best and most impressive maiden wins I've seen in a very, very long while. And I've got to stick with this own. Um, just, just forget it went round on Saturday. Uh, he's still eligible for a, you know, benchmark seventy-eight or whatever in town. All right, boys. Uh, before we wrap up, just quickly, um, no doubt uh, if you haven't seen it on the social media, I jump on punters. 
A horse called Liberty Island, or a filly called Liberty Island, mm. winning in Japan. Um, extraordinary. Winning that first classic um, of the season over there in Japan. The, uh, what, the Thousand, thousand Guineas. guineas. Yeah. Um, and the mum, of course, uh, Ray Yankee Rose. Yep. Um, now onwards to the Oaks um, for that particular filly, but unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah, she was so far back, wasn't she, at the top of the straight, and yet she's just surged down the outside. It was some win, and great to see Yankee Rose doing good things over there, but she's obviously the, the filly to beat come the Oaks. I think last preparation, I think I read somewhere that she recorded the quickest last 600 in a race ever recorded. Wow. On this track, mm. so uh, she's obviously <laughs> outstanding. How, yeah. did, how did the uh, how did the horse go in Japan? Uh, that Mr. No, Hagi went back. Yeah, no, it was in that same race. Yeah. That same race, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She got back and running to dead ends up the straight, but no, never a, never a factor as far as the winner was concerned. And, and speaking of this week, we will get to see Mr. Yahagi and the team back here for the All Age Stakes. So that's our feature. On Saturday, uh, with the prize money increase, uh, 1.5 million now, uh, we get to see the champagne stakes for 600,000 for the two-year-olds over the mile, the Hallmark stakes, uh, the James HP car, where we might get to see that exciting filly of Graham Begg's magic time again mm-hmm. over the 1400 at Group Three, the Frank Packer Plate, uh, obviously a race that. We may see horses going towards Queensland Oaks and Derby's. Very interested to see if Keith Dryden does accept with that uh, offspring, that Philly offspring. She was very good at Canberra. You can have 50 to 1 at Dope if you want to have something on Good Friday. Well, I tell you what. Well, it's interesting that she's not in the Queensland Oaks, Mark. We'll have to get on to Timmy for that because I think that she'll be heading that way. And, of course, we've got uh, the Royal Randwick 100 and the Benchmark 88, the Midway, etc. And I guess, too, you've got that market for the all-age stakes there, um, open, Glenn. Giga kicks yes, Giga kicks a favourite, Dave. Favorite. $2.80 uh, Giga kick. Now, having a look back, went up $6 in the pre-noms market. Opened $3 yesterday, first ring. $2.60 earlier this morning. Now a $2.80 chance. Uh, you got Jack and Owen Marzu, six a pair. Zaki, seven, undefeated at Randwick over 1,400. Cascadian, eight. Private Eye, nine. Fangirl, Ho-O Amazon, and lost and running all at $11. And then Rock and Horse next pick at 26 This Japanese horse, uh, Ho Amazon, has there been any good each-way money for it, Glenn? Uh, nothing for it in that market, Dave. There was there was dribs and drabs of money for it in the pre-noms market, but only, I think, based on the fact that... Um, you know, there was talk when it was coming here about, you know, the all-age was going to be a trace, the all-age was going to be a trace, you know, that sort of thing. But if you had a look at it, work with alongside a unicorn line on the Kenzo the other day, you wouldn't back it at Kembla. Mm-hmm. Oh, now you've said that, it'll come out and uh, probably yeah. win by panels. I've uh, an eight-stone saddle on it. Yes. Have a great day, gentlemen. Enjoy your Tuesday, a big racing HQ week ahead. And, of course, we'll have those fields tomorrow for the all-age stakes. Have a good one, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you.